Live from Pacific Junction Hotel, Girth Radio in session. Hi, this is Kareem Kanji, and this is Welcome, and this is episode number 13. I talk with uh, Dan Dembski. He's a uh, former producer at CFRB 1010, worked with people like George Stromvalopoulos and Spider Jones, but he's also co-founder of a couple of cool companies. One is called Biz Media. Uh, they make uh, fantastic videos uh, for the web, so they're trying to make the web a better place. And uh, he's also a co-founder of a really cool Toronto-based startup uh, called Hitsu, which is a sock company featuring designs by really cool artists. I hope you enjoy this conversation with uh, me and Dan. been watching the Jays? Yeah, I've been watching them for Like years. now, you've been watching them now. <laughs> I'm, watch, I'm still watching them now, for sure. Are you watching them more? No, like, I've I been a Jays fan since the early 80s. Uh, I I was a huge Jays fan from, I remember when they won the World Series. That's one of my early memories in life. Okay. And, you know, I think anyone in the city, I became a diehard Jays fan, and that went up until I was about... 13 years old and I was diehard I would go to so many games and after the games I'd go and wait at the Skydome Hotel which it was called at the time Yeah, and I'd wait for the players to come out after the game and I would just want any of their autographs and I was a fan of every player but my hero was yeah. Joe Carter I wanted to meet Joe Carter more than anyone in the world he was my idol I had posters on my wall of Joe Carter <laughs> and I remember one day finally met him and I was at the Skydome Hotel and this SUV was rolling up and I could see from a mile away driving was Joe Carter yeah. sitting next to him was Roger Clemens oh was my I haven't met either I was super excited for that but Joe Car- I, so this is after the World Series yes yes yeah. yes uh, probably I guess that's that could be six seven years after when Clemens was pitching yeah I can't remember when he came but yeah, it was definitely after well whenever he was pitching yeah pitches. and I was so excited I was shaking and the car rolls right up to me, and I kind of signal for them to turn the to roll the window down. Yeah. And I had a shopper's back drug when they had windows you could roll down and not yeah, press maybe. the button. He probably had a <laughs> so I had a shopper's drug mart Blue Jays calendar. Okay. And that's what I wanted him to sign. I said, and I was stuttering. I was like, Joe, I, I, I'm so <laughs> I'm so excited to meet you. Uh, I, I'm like your biggest fan in the world. Can, can you please sign my my calendar? And I gave him a Sharpie, <laughs> yeah. and I gave him the calendar, and he looks at me dead in the eye, and no. he smiles. Okay. Looking at me. That's good. And he didn't say anything. So I pushed the calendar a little closer with the Sharpie. Yeah. And he just, like, looking through me, like I was a ghost. And I was, like, frozen. I'm like, Joe? <laughs> and I feel like my heart rip- I even f- you know, It almost conjures up feelings, like, thinking back, because it, like, broke my heart into pieces. No. Because he was just ignoring. He didn't give He didn't give a crap. Uh, but Roger Clemens is like, I'll sign your calendar. 
So I like pushed the calendar in a little further. Yeah. And he takes the calendar and he just like he knew exactly what page he was on. Like oh no in way. The calendar. Yeah. And he signs it and he gives it back. So I walked away with just Roger Clemens' signature and a broken heart. And I remember that day I went home, and I like it like you dramatic. ripped. Yeah, I tore his poster <laughs> like so dramatic, and I wasn't a Jays fan anymore. And I became I started watching again like four years ago. Okay. Uh, I just decided I'm going to watch the Jays again. And the main reason was because I hadn't followed any sports in years. Yeah. And I felt, well, eh, I'll just follow this team. I tried doing it a bit with the Raptors. But I don't follow it too much. I try. I, I hate the Leafs more. I can't stand the Leafs. But what I like about baseball, because I like to stay really busy, is it's the only sport that you could fully appreciate the entire game Yeah. without really having to look at the screen. So I could be working on my laptop and the baseball game's like on on my TV. Yeah. And you just hear, you can turn your head and look at the screen. And see what's going on. Because in a three-hour baseball game, there's maybe like 10 minutes of stuff that happens. Yeah. And you can just like get that that, that like audio like signal that something happens. So you can tune in and tune out and still appreciate the whole game. the whole thing. There's yeah. so much standing around. It's not like ho- hockey or basketball where the whole thing is happening almost all the time. Yeah. With the exception of timeouts. So I started following. And baseball really is one of those sports where you have to – watching a game doesn't make sense to uh, uh, someone who doesn't follow the whole season. It's it's kind of like if you follow the whole season, yeah. you see all the ebbs and flows, and it, it all comes together. And uh, I, I've loved it. I've loved watching them lose for the past few years, and all of a sudden they became who they are today. My goodness. Awesome. So you're not, a, you're not a Joe Carter fan anymore? No. I uh, When you see his glucosamine commercials? I, I can't stand the guy. The, I, <laughs> I saw I, – like whenever I see him on, for example, the Jays post – pictures of old players on Instagram. Yeah. Like, I saw one of Joe Carter going to a season ticket holder's apartment to deliver his season's tickets. Yeah. As a promotion for season's ticket or whatever it was. Sure. And every time I see that, I always write the story I just told you to, like, say, Joe Carter. Just ho- I just want Joe to read it, to know he broke a 13-year-old's heart and he, the guy hasn't forgotten. Are you, th- are you thinking that maybe the stuttering of your voice – that maybe you didn't make any sense to him. No, no, no. <laughs> You're holding a Sharpie in a calendar with his picture. You know yeah, what to do. It makes yeah. sense. You know, <laughs> all the guy had to do is take the little Sharpie and push it on the paper. He would have made someone anything. so like it made someone so happy, but he chose not to. So I, I can't. I hated the guy ever since. Although he is a hero in the city, I hate sure. the guy. Uh, and I always post about it on the Blue Jays Facebook on their Instagram whenever there's an opportunity, and they always delete it. They really? Always, they always delete my story. <laughs> I'm hoping that they'll like apologize and like that you know, somebody will. Game or Maybe he'll show up and deliver tickets. Yeah, yeah. at your door. I just want an apology from Joe. Who's your Who's your Joe Carter today? Like, who's not the one that you hate, but who's the one player that that if you were 13 years old again, you'd have posters on your on your door and I, on your wall? I mean, it would probably be Donaldson, but I don't. I, I can't feel that way about. A player anymore? anymore. Yeah. No more. Eh? I don't know if I came with age or getting my heart broken, <laughs> but yeah. I definitely can't feel that for a baseball. Maybe player. a little bit of both. Maybe a little bit of both. But um, I always I, I like talking Blue Jays these days because they're like the story in town, and finally they're winning, and finally they got some of the best players in the world again. Can I, can I ask you a question? Yeah. You said you've been following them like since pretty, the '80s, just play, consistently. Yeah, yeah. So now that everyone in the city is like all into it, yeah. You know, they didn't stick through on any of those bad years. Do you Are you like, that's great? Or you're like, hey, where the hell were you guys four <coughs> that, months ago? That, that's an interesting story So, or an interesting question. So I listened to this podcast called Birds All Day um, by the same people that used to have another podcast called Drunk Jays Fans, um, bought up by The Score and, and, and whatnot. I don't know if you know these guys. Um, so the question was asked, I think to them, or it might have been another podcast I was listening to, but the idea of, there's so many more people now in the stands that never followed them until now. Uh, many more people buying jerseys and hats, watching the games, coming to bars like this. That that can only mean good things is what I'm thinking. You know, so David Price now, pitching for the Jays. This is his contract year. What's going to happen after this year? Well, one of the things he's looking for, obviously, is a big payday. And you can't give David Price a big payday if you're not selling out the Dome, right? So I want as many people as possible, whether they're fans today or whether they've been fans for years, to show up so that Rogers has enough money to pay a guy like David Price 
to stay on. Yeah. The right? only downfall. Yeah. Un- unless you like have it in you to get annoyed with people for just like what a phony. Yeah. If that bothers you, that's a downfall. Sometimes it bothers me a little. I feel like I got a little like, even though I didn't follow them right through, I because I stuck out for a few seasons. Sure. Of them losing, I'm like I feel like I have a, like I have that bit of cred. And then the people who just came in like a month ago. Yeah. I'm kind of guy gets bothered by stuff. I don't know. It's just me. <laughs> so that, if that's a downfall, that's a downfall. The other downfall is it's hard to get tickets. It is very hard to get tickets. So unless I'm you know people. Yeah. <laughs> or you want to spend a fortune. That's so But true. it's true. It's exciting. It's exciting to have something in the city that people are all tied to. It and is. Everyone feels good about. And, and we'll, we'll try to end this soon so that you can go back home or stay here at the bar and watch the game. Because Strowman is pitching yeah. again, which no one thought he was going to. And let's get let's get talking more about you. Um, and I and I and I and I believe I knew this before, but you've worked at a radio station before. So like stuff like this, like this board and stuff, is probably like simple to you. Like you probably could set this up for me to make this sound more professional. Uh, I'm, I'm not much of a tech. I get a little bit of it. I've learned a little bit about it, but I was more in a producing role. So you were at CFRB. So how did how did that start? Uh, like, where, did you study at school? Were you studying? I, did, at, I studied radio broadcasting. Okay. And how old are you? If you don't mind me asking. Thirty. Okay. So do you re- like? Did you go? Which school did you go to? Seneca at York. Okay. Were there any people that you went to school with that are now in radio? Yeah, a few. Okay. A few. Um, I was the first in. Okay. Uh, I I got in to see if I mean Bill Carroll, who was morning show host back when I was at, at school at CFRB was one of our teachers. And mm. He taught talk radio. Yeah. So it's how you produce and program and be a host on talk radio. Like it's, it's the whole structure of how it works. And I was a really good student in radio school for the first year. Yeah. And then when I realized I kind of get what's going on here, I became a really bad student. But You stopped showing up? I, yeah, I stopped showing up to a lot of the classes, but I did a lot of extracurriculars. Okay. Uh, we, I, my buddies and I, we wrote for the school paper, but we do really like the Excalibur. Was that the Excalibur? No, right it here? was uh, the. I forgot what it's called. I okay. shouldn't. I forgot. I forgot the name. But we would do stuff like the top ten reasons to start smoking now, <laughs> and it was. People thought it would be completely tongue-in-cheek, but we wrote it in a tone that was completely... It was tongue-in-cheek, but it didn't read that way. It was, like, very serious. It was completely serious. And like, it's scientific like, facts? We talked about, like, what it, cigarette sales do for the economy. We talked about, like, you know, studies about showing how people perceive it in terms of looking cool. Yeah. How it gives you access to smoke breaks with certain people and what you can do with that. Like, really... It was like there are real points that we were making, and we were so serious about it. And they let us make the cover. So I, I took a picture of Justin. You know Justin. and he, My business partner, Justin. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, we took a picture of him. He looked, like, really cool. He had, like, a, a blazer on. He was smoking. We took a photo on the brick wall. And they let it be the cover. And I remember when that was coming out, we were so excited for it to be on all the campuses of the school and be released. And... When that day when it came out, we'll never forget. People all over the school were reading it. We were walking wow. around and we we're just seeing everywhere. And it was the first time we were told that there were no papers left on any of the wrecks in all the campuses. And people were writing me hate mail, and people were, that got it were <laughs> saying this is hilarious. Uh, it was just like we, I just kind of got a rush from that, just doing something that was just a little bit. We were trying to mess around with people. Sure. So I had my own radio show. Everyone had the opportunity to have their own hour radio show. And I said, well, if I can mess around with people here, let me do it on my radio show. So I w- you're supposed to follow a strict protocol of these are the songs that we're supposed to play. It's supposed and this to- is at York? It's at your campus. Okay. So it- it's supposed to show show you how to work in an FM radio in that format. But I would completely ignore it and just do like you could do whatever you want in this podcast. Yeah, you're not allowed to do that. Allowed to do that on this radio show. So I would just do whatever I wanted. And we used to have callers that would call into our show. We're the only show that had callers, and we just say play whatever you want, say whatever. It was ridiculous. <laughs> so we, I, I got into CFRB because the 
day we were going to come in for our final assignment, which I learned about on the final day that I showed up to class. I didn't even know there was an assignment. Because you stopped showing up. It was boring I, to you. And this was worth half of our, of our entire grade. Yeah. It was a talk radio show. So I had to figure out with our producer and our tech that we I was going to be one of the hosts. And we had to do a 20-minute show in front of Bill Carroll. Yeah. And our topic was double standards uh, between men and women. And I just went off with my own opinions on stuff. I didn't really think about the format. I just shared my opinions, and I was, you know, poking at people a bit. At the end, Bill Carroll said to the class, what do you guys think of that of Dan Dembski's show? And he said, oh, well, I think he was just uh, trying to, you know, be edgy. He's trying to be controversial. And like, a lot of them didn't like me because I was just a little, yeah. I was a little cocky. And he said, that was the best I've ever heard in all of my classes. Because he was honest, he was pushing buttons, and it was funny, and he was saying the things that maybe would get people to be angry or people to agree, but it was polarizing. And that's what pe- why people call. That opens discussion. This is the kind of person that we want at CFRB. So I heard that. I'm like, wow, that's awesome. So I, next morning during the show, I showed up to CFRB. And I had a you just showed up. I just showed up. And I said, you said that you would want to hire people like me. I said, well, what can we do? He said, well, just keep coming in. So I just kept going in. And nice. I became an intern on a morning show. So then after He was that, the host on the, sh- on the morning show? Or? Well, he was – This at this time, there, he was the show before the morning show. So there was a different – Okay. So the one right before so, – or no, he was right after. So I stayed with him. He became the morning show host. I continued to be his intern. And then I got hired to be a producer on the – there's weekend shows, late night shows, stuff like that. So I started getting paid. I was at the time the youngest person who was ever hired there. So nice. I mean, it didn't pay very well. I don't <laughs> know if you consider that like a real paying job, but it was it was unbelievably fun and really cool to go in and and and, and I think when you started uh, one of your current companies, you were still producing uh, Spider Jones, if if I'm correct. Yep, Spider Jones. Uh, I my. The company we started, Biz Media, was a, a little freelance side project as I was working radio. So I was balancing. So radio was your full-time gig? Yeah, I w- it's kind of part-time. Okay. I'd say I was working 25, 30 hours. I was still continuing to intern, the unpaid internship there, while I was getting paid because it was just the morning show. And I was just okay. the access to people. I mean, I was bringing – I mean, one day we, we produced having a, a, a Jack Layton – John Tory and Dalton McGinty. Like I got to like organize and bring them all in and have a debate right in the room in front of me. And there was like five of us around. Yeah. And I was like, this is awesome. Like people would pay to see this. And they were like yelling at each other. And I'm like, I made this interview happen. And so I was really, really into that. And it took up a lot of time. But my paying gig there didn't pay a lot. So I needed to make money. So I was serving at a restaurant. I just started Biz Media. So that was a side project I had to do like overnight. Yeah. And I was still in And school. that was with Justin? Yeah. Yeah. So I had. I had two jobs, an internship and school. I was and sleeping. you're still in school, okay? I was sleeping like three hours a night. You know, I, when it was came to the morning show, I had to be there at like three forty-five in the morning. Yeah, it was it was nuts. So you worked with uh, Carol, Bill Carroll, Spider Jones. Who else have you worked with there? George Shambolopoulos. Okay. Yeah, he was at the time a host. Uh, I think he did Sundays, so I got okay. Sometimes I wasn't his producer. I got to work with him on. It went, as a swing producer, I would go into different shows where they need me. I see. So it wasn't like Spider Jones was the show where I was the producer. You were the producer of his show. Yeah. Other shows like Strombo, which I got to be on a couple times. Yeah. It's just sort of thrown in the mix. And I got to like just work on the show, which was super cool. And what does a producer do? They just make the show happen, bring in guests, handle the call-ins, that sort of thing? Yeah. So the driving force of the show would be the, the host. And that would be the, the tone of the show. But you need someone to help make things happen. You yeah. know, if you want to get the right guests, if you want to get more research on a topic. So essentially it's the working with the host to program what the whole show is going to be. Then you have to go get the right people, get the right re- – do the right research so that the host is prepared to have an educated opinion on what he's talking about. There's the right people that we can have as guests and experts. They're available. They're booked. They're ready. And the show is happening and it's on schedule, on time. Everything goes without a hitch. And then when the show is happening, you, you are the guy that answers the phone to screen callers through and make sure that it works to having a, a good discussion. And, Interesting. Yeah. It was fun. 
very, yeah. very fun. Yeah. Even when I, I was no longer when I when I quit my job there, I still asked about whenever you need me, let me come in. This is when I was really starting to take off with business. I'm like, I'll still come in on like weekends if you need me. Just yeah. I kind of just I would I didn't feel there was a career there. Like sure. I didn't see long term. I'd be a bum my whole life. I w- you just there's not a lot of money to make in that industry. But it's just so rewarding and fun that I'm like, if I could come in once in a while. And they let me come in probably a year and a half, two years after I just left. Just coming, just to show up. Maybe once every few weeks yeah. when they needed me. And they felt bad asking. And they w- and I would say, they would offer to pay. I, would, I wouldn't take paychecks. I'm just, I'll just come in. Because I'm not doing this for money. I'm doing it because it's really interesting and, and I really enjoy it. Who are some of the interesting people that, that you met with, that you worked with? I think one of the co- – I'm not into politics anymore. I was very into it at the time because I had to be from – Not even now with the election, was it 43? I couldn't care at all. <laughs> at all. Okay. I mean, I see people post on Facebook and they hate Harper. They hate – it seems like everyone hates everyone equally for different reasons. And I think it all seems legitimate. I just don't care. <laughs> I really don't anymore. And I stopped caring the day I left CFRB. Radio. Because I'm like, I've just been so into it's too this. tiring. I had to read every newspaper every day and every issue. But I, at the time, it was all the politics. I knew every politician in this country. Yeah. Like, and just seeing who are the bullshitters and who are the good people. Like, Jack Layton was the nicest guy. Really? The most gen- – like, it, you, meet, you can't not be completely charmed by this man. He was the greatest person ever. Wow. And – I think that was it. I mean, we met film directors and there's musicians that came in, but I, I liked at the time the politicians, which is weird because I hate politics and yeah. I haven't followed it all now. Interesting. Uh, how, what was it like? So I, I sort of ran into Spider Jones once at Fairview Mall, and this is, I think, just after 9-11 or soon after that, and he was asking me, you know, how is it being a Muslim in Canada and stuff like that, and he seemed very nice and stuff, but um, how was it working with him? It was awesome. Yeah? Yeah, he was just like... Stories of getting thrown in jail and boxing and all that, or and someone who's very, very interested in hearing what, especially younger people are thinking. Yeah. And I think he's one of the reasons I've, I've got a lot of confidence to do things that I did later in life, because he, you know, in my head at the time when I was young, and I, like I said before, I felt a little cocky about things. Um, I didn't really know what I was going to do with my life. I didn't know how where I'd go in radio, but I felt like I had like something to offer. Sure. But he would really, really like make my feelings of I could accomplish stuff go a lot deeper in his you know, to have someone who's gone through so much and he's done so much in his career and, and recently to look at you and be completely interested and laugh at your perspective and tell you what he likes, what he didn't like about how, what you what I was like when I came into the station, what I did, and very honest and treated me like an adult. It was the first time I felt like I was beyond being a kid. I'm no longer, you know, a student or I don't have the safety net of being in my parents' house. I'm in the real world, and someone that I respect takes me seriously. He was the first one. First one to treat you like an adult. Yeah. Hmm. And he was uh, – actually, do you know who started on his show as well was George George, Stone yeah. Bolkes. Yeah. He was a producer, yeah. I think. So that was that, you know. He's like he treated Strombo the same. Yeah. You know, and he takes a lot of pride in that. In, in that, you know, Strombo was just some punk kid at the time and he <laughs> came in, but you know, man, did he do his homework? Did he study? And and for him to have an opinion that was positive about me felt like I'm okay. I'm pretty good too. Nice. So yeah, I mean, I, oddly enough, it's funny that you mentioned him. I try to stay in touch with him. I emailed him either. This morning or yesterday morning for the first time in a while. Because always, I, I'll never want him to feel like I forgot about what he's done. I was just going to ask you if you keep in touch with anyone. Uh, a few. A few people. So a lot of us are on Facebook. So I still you know, okay. some of the hosts will like, comment on my stuff. But I don't hang well, out with good. him. Spider Jones was the, the one I got the closest with. So you know, I hung out with him and his family a lot. And, well, nice. Yeah. And so... How did Biz Media start? Like, what, was that just a out of necessity? You needed to make some more money, and so your old pal from school and you kind of got together with some video cameras. Like, how did that begin? Well, I told you back in college, we would. I was very involved a lot in the extracurriculars, just stuff that we could do on our own, and 
one of the things that we would do, Justin, who's my business partner, and he's been my best friend since junior kindergarten, he was a film student. So okay, he'd be into writing screenplays and stuff like that. And we thought, you know, it could be radio, it could be screenwriting, it could be directing. We'll, you know, we'll do all sorts of stuff, and we were really into the work that we were doing, but we didn't have, a, like, one single focus. Uh, but uh, we would stay up, and we would write screen like really silly and funny screenplays that we always thought could be these could be real movies and we'll go and we'll pitch them one day and we once wrote uh, a treatment for a documentary about the Jewish Community Center which sounds lame but it was meant to be a comedy okay because it's the funniest place in the world like we would go there that's just where we worked out was it Thorn- Thornhill or no that's uh, Bathurst and Shepherd okay that's the one that was near where we grew up so we'd go there our whole lives, you know, from camp to, you know, going there to play basketball. And so we're, you know, starting to work out there. And it's just a really weird place. And the men's health, there's a men's club and a women's club in there. And the men's health club, they're all like 85 year old Jews and they're always naked for no reason. <laughs> they'll play, get to, they get there in the morning at 7 a.m., they'll play pool. They're naked. They're naked playing yeah. pool. So we go there. You get there at seven a.m. They're playing pool. They're naked. They they have a, a spread with like bagels, and they put peanut butter and onions on their bagel. And then one of them pulls out a bottle of vodka, and they're just drinking glasses of vodka. It's seven a.m. You're hanging out with these eighty-five-year-old naked dudes eating peanut butter and onions on a bagel and vodka. Like, and to them, this place was like their second home. That's where they go every day and. They've known these people. I mean, imagine knowing being friends with people from the from they came from Poland or wherever they came from, but friendships that were twenty, thirty, forty, fifty, sixty, seventy years long. And the story was they were tearing the the Jewish Community Center that went down to rebuild it into a new facility, but the construction would take five, six years. So all the old people were fighting, saying it's fine the way it is. You're ruining our home. Yeah. We're all going to be disbanded. We're not going to be able to have our place to all congregate. And it was an interesting story, but like the people that were in it were hilarious. So we wrote a treatment for this documentary and we took it to the Jewish Film Festival. And someone said, I love it. Let's get you some money to make this. It's okay. That sounds like, that sounds sure. Great. Why not? We'll take some so, money. So we got, uh, we wanted to make, we wanted $65,000, I think it was, to make this movie. All we were able to get was five thousand. That's what she she got it for us. She got us five thousand dollars. Okay, well, let's start. Let's start making this thing. So we went onto Craigslist and we hired a camera guy. So we wanted to go in and start getting some interviews with these people just to start it out. And the guy shows up. We're paying him like two hundred and fifty bucks, which to us felt like we felt like we were big time like Hollywood producers. Like you're paying someone some money. Yeah. So this guy comes, and it's funny looking back now. Two hundred fifty bucks. So this guy, he's like, you know, he's fifty years old. He comes. He doesn't. We think that our movie is the most important movie ever been made. He doesn't care about it at all. He's there for the two hundred fifty bucks or sure. So the ener- his energy sucked, you know. Like he's just like all right. Like he just wanted the paycheck. He'll shoot us like filming these like interview like literally interviewing like naked dudes. Like so we'd like do it like waist up. And after that, we spent so we're like, okay two hundred fifty out of our five grand. I said just like man like this is terrible. Like we can't be hiring guys like this. This is just. It's killing the whole buzz and the momentum. And he said, screw it. Let's just buy our own equipment. Let's just do it ourselves. So we went to the camera store the next day, and we blew all our money, and we had nothing left. We're like, okay. But you had equipment. We got a camera and some software. Wow. So that's all we got. It's a lens. It's a filter or something like that. And a book on how to use the software. And, <laughs> and we're like, okay, we have no money left. We still have to make this movie. So we started posting on Craigslist, or looking at Craigslist to get to be the camera guy that we paid. So we start getting these jobs, 200 bucks, 400 bucks. Ah. So this is sort of on the side. So, But we were so into it because we were needed to learn how to use this equipment that we – something like we easily could have just mailed and taken the money uh, and, and, and called it a day. We would work like way, way overtime. We'd way over-deliver because it, we were just thrilled to be learning what we were learning, and we felt we were getting paid to learn. So – we weren't sleeping. We were working like, you know, we were just chugging Diet Cokes overnight to stay up just all night, working, working, working. And people loved working with us, so they just kept coming back. So 
we didn't really have to sell ourselves. It was really just word of mouth. But these, you know, two hundred dollar gigs became five hundred, became a thousand. But that was kind of just like and all much, through Craigslist and word of mouth. Yeah, just like that. But then one of our early clients, well, actually the first guy who ever paid us to do a job, he said, "Hey, listen, I'm going to get you a gig with a, a brand that we work with. It's going to pay you a lot more, but give me a cut." And so, okay, sure. So it was GE. So he takes us into this boardroom meeting with GE, and Justin comes in. He has like ripped jeans. Like we oh, didn't know how to present ourselves. Like we had no idea what we were doing. They're like, they actually said, "Are you wearing ripped jeans?" He's like, "Oh, sorry." And we sit down. In I'm just the camera guy. <laughs> yeah, we sit down in the boardroom. We have this conversation, and we they need this little video vignette, which they paid us thirty eight hundred dollars, and compared to what we were doing before, this was by far the easiest thing ever. We finished it in like three hours. And we felt so guilty that we were taking $3,800 for something that t- took us three hours to do that we wrote to them and said, okay, it's going to take like this long. We like sat on it for like a bunch of days and then delivered it later so it looked like it was a bunch of work. And at that point, we're like, if we can make $3,800 that easy, there's a lot more of that out there. It's these brands owe money. Yeah. So... Okay, we need a name. We need a we need business cards. So that was it. We just got that done really quickly. We tried not to focus too much on it, but then we start going to like marketing conferences. I'm gonna learn how sales. Like I'm just gonna let's just get more of that. So I started getting into it. Then Fujifilm became our first. You know, all of a sudden the um, the budgets that these people were were had were just enormous compared to what we were used to, and. All it was to us was just, well, every time, like, if we get a few grand here, a few grand there, that's more equipment. And every penny that we got went into equipment. Like, I, there was a two-year period where I didn't go out once. I didn't buy a single lunch at a fast food place or go out to a restaurant. I didn't buy a single beer. All we did is every penny, and we're in my mom's basement doing this. Every penny that came in went to new gear until we accumulated, like, a hundred grand of gear. And we were having people in my basement, my mom's basement, like working with us on projects. And we, like, I didn't really, I could sell uh, the project to people who already knew us and already had yeah. interest in us. But I didn't have like a strategy for like finding new people. We just worked our ass off. Yeah. And uh, that's that's kind of it. It started from getting that little grant and buying that equipment. Wait, so what ha- what happened to the naked Jewish people at the community center? What happened to that movie? Good question. So. We filmed until they tore it down. We filmed interviews with all the key people, and they tore it down. And the whole second part of it, which we have to revisit, is when they rebuild it. But one of the things that old people, and they were right, the all the seniors there, they would say, they're not going to get all the money they need to make this new elaborate facility anyway. And they didn't. They're so still there's still no community center there. So this is like, we're talking like seven years. It's been torn down seven years ago, probably. Yeah. And we have all the footage just like sorted and ready so that we could revisit and see what they did and what happened when they finally reopened. But it's not even reopened yet. So is the movie going to change to the community center that never reopened? We have no idea. But we have this unfinished documentary. It's all just I think you need to finish it now. It's not ready. Seriously, no, I think it's ready. You think? That's a a story. It It doesn't have to be like we all lived happily ever after. I think it could be... Here's these guys that don't have a home anymore, and they're probably all dead. Now they're all dead. Yeah, yeah. I don't mean that's to laugh all, at that. No, but that's, they all, that's what they all say. So by the time they rebuild this place, we're not even going to be alive to enjoy it. Yeah, and they're totally right. No so, more naked Jewish yeah. people. So I have. I mean, if I what, if I could ever show you this footage, it's ridiculous. And I'm excited to go back. I haven't looked at it in years, but I, th- I, I think you need to. I think you need to release that. Yeah, maybe one day we'll be in that Jewish film festival, that big one. In Toronto. You need to. Yeah. You it's, need and to. It's it's really really funny. We had a fun time doing it. And, and then you get into socks. Like, so, okay, yeah, so you get into socks. Now, how, I don't know, how did how, how do you go from, you guys are so busy making some great stuff. And you also do a lot, actually, you know what, before we get into that, you do a lot of stuff in the community around videos like TEDx and, and things like that. Um, Art of, I believe you guys, I don't know if you guys are still involved in that. But, you know, talk to me about that in, in terms of, 
I don't see them as big clients for you, but I sort of see them as community initiatives. Yeah, those aren't clients. Yeah, they they're that's those are partnerships for. You know, I mean, that's how we enjoy spending our time. I like to try to get involved in things that have an interesting outcome. I mean, being a part of TEDx Toronto, we did it for five years. When we sit in the auditorium when it's happening and we know that we've done a part of it, it feels awesome to have been a part of it. Yeah. And in the process, you're work not just hanging out with, but working alongside all of the people who have that same desire to create something awesome. They don't do it. No one's getting paid. They do it because they get to connect with really, really interesting people. They get to feel like they've contributed to Toronto. and, 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 And you get to have such a meaningful interaction with these people. I can go for a beer with them and probably have a really good time. But it's way, way better to collaborate and work with someone and do something and create something. Uh, and you've met some really interesting people. Met? Yeah. I mean, doing the, with TEDx Toronto, yeah. with the art of. Yeah, and they all come into our office, especially with TEDx. All the speakers come in, and you know, I get to go to the speakers' dinner. And I just – you you get on such an interesting level and a deep level with the people that, you know, be it the organizers of the event or the speakers or the other partners – and, I mean, that's just good use of time. I don't think we've thought too much about it. it is, there's a huge part of it, which is business development. Sure. Like if we can show that we're in – like, you know we do TEDx because we make it very clear. And it's a, it's like it, people respect the brand. And if we're affiliated mm-hmm. with it, it, it raises our profile. And that's done great things for our business. So there's that business part of it, which is a huge part of it. But we could do that in a lot of places. I would do TEDx Toronto over doing some huge financial conference because I don't care to work as much with financial type. Not saying sure. that they're not interesting. I just, my, you know, I don't understand anything that they talk about ever. <laughs> or a, or, or a, a convention, a political convention. Would, yeah. No, you hey, we did videos for the Conservative Party before, and that was the worst. Really? Yeah, that was the worst. <laughs> the worst. But I'll, I'll tell you a quick interesting story about yeah. that. I, so... It, it was campaign stuff for Tim Hudak. We never would put this on our site because this is just like, that was just like whatever. I don't even know. I, I can't even explain why we did this. <laughs> they paid. They paid me. But I met him at the radio station. Like I said, I met all the politicians. Sure. And he's he would he was very interested in me. And you never know if they're just good people or yeah. or if they're just politicians. So he seemed like he was just a politician. And he's like, what's your name? Oh, what do you do? So you're a producer here, and I said, yeah, and I'm also doing some video stuff on the side. And he was really attentive. And flash forward three years, we get this contract with the Conservative Party working with Tim Hudak. Yeah, Hudak, Hudak, whatever. He comes into our office to do some like camera stuff into the studio. This is your pimped out office right now. This is the, so we went from my mom's basement to uh, uh, it was like a loft space. That yeah, we, like first lived in and then we expand until we expanded our bedrooms into more office space and we moved out so this was that office now okay we have our new office but he came in and i he knocked because it was this is a, a condo building like a loft building uh so he knocks on the door and i open it up and he looks at me and he freezes he's like i know you dan right I'm like oh, so he remembered you yeah he's like yeah you is that video company? You started doing video, you told me. Like, you remembered from three years ago. Yeah. Yeah, I was blown away. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Because, like, I obviously remember him because I sure. was bringing him into the station, and he's a politician. And I'm just a, I was just, like, a, a little junior producer, or an intern, actually, on the, the Bill Carroll show. And he asked, and he remembered and retained that. And I was so blown away, and I was so impressed by him that I, I, I loved the guy. But then when... The guys went on the road with him, and I heard the stories. The guy's a, he's a monster. Really? Just treated everyone like shit. <laughs> uh, he, like, they were saying he is the most evil robot. Like, he can't be a human. He's a robot. And I think, so I'm thinking either, like, he is a robot, and that's why he remembers who I am, because robots, why would a robot forget? It's stored in his hard drive. <laughs> or it's just a masterful... <laughs> 
apolog- he wanted me to feel that way. Maybe he, did, he could have just uh, he could have just looked me up on LinkedIn and, and sure and maybe made that correlation. Maybe that spot, uh, spurred him to remember. But I was so impressed that he remembered, and, and then, then so I, disappointed afterwards. Yeah, yeah but but you got paid well. Yeah, but and not. Further cemented what you yeah. feel about politicians, and I'm happy to say yes that that was a losing campaign. <laughs> we helped him lose, but you do. Yeah. <laughs> but you're not putting that up on your website. No, okay. Even if we helped him win, I don't. Wanna, <laughs> you know, this is, but I, I'm not. I don't. I'm not. I'm not like siding with liberals or conservatives. I'm so far removed that I don't have an opinion. But yeah. like the conservative supporters tend to be a little hmm. wackos, you know. So is my video up on your website? Which one? The the 500th fan one? Yeah. Yes, I think it is. <laughs> that was the funniest thing ever. That led to some awesome stuff for us, too. Really? Because I, uh, I became a partner in another company, which really took off, and I got bought out of Dbrand Skins. I don't know if you know. I saw that, and, and I wasn't sure what that was. Or, or so so Dbrand. So, so the, I didn't, I'm not the founder, but the guy who founded it came in, and we became friends, and I'll make this story really short. The long story short, I was sort of coaching him as he was just starting up in his mom's basement, this really cool brand that I liked. And as he got to that point where he was just growing past the point of comfort and he needed some people to help him, he asked me if I could partner with him. And so you, were, said, you started off as a mentor? Yeah. And okay. then I said, I will. I made a partnership agreement with him where I logged a certain amount of my time in the week, which it became a lot, and we're going to blow this thing up. Now what did D-Brand do? We make vinyl skins for smartphones, laptops, video game consoles, okay. all e-commerce. So we just worked <laughs> together, got organized, went out of the mom's basement, went to it, – it's it's funny how much it parallels biz. We went to like a, a live and he lived in an office, gone to a nice new space that he's in right now. And then he got, every, he got everything he needed from me and he just one day said he wants to buy me out, which was an – the company is blown up now. It's amazing. But – I got bought. It, it, I was so. I love the company. And I still go there. I still work out of there sometimes. Okay. But I got like, it was like, see, like it was like letting my kid go off to college. Um, but he came to me and met me first because he saw that video. No post, way. It's posted on like, what's his name? I can't. I, I can't. It's a robot. It's a. Ro- <laughs> That's the brand. They're, it's all run by robots. <laughs> so, uh, he. So the video. That video is posted on some like blog aggregate site or whatever yeah and that's uh and you saw by the video. way uh, only you and i know what this video is it's when you were our 500th fan 500th facebook fan facebook fan of biz media and we came <laughs> and we delivered you a huge novelty <laughs> up in scarborough yeah 500 check with a pink limo and a bunch of farm animals and guys that, dressed as farm animals and all that stuff. so it was just a total like let's just give whoever our 500 like it was no i would no, could be serious was that was that a, was that set up well, we were planning it when we had 450 fans. So we, I was literally your 500. So yeah, that was we true. were waiting to see whoever it was, and it happened to be you. So we <laughs> delivered you this big check and said, let's just go over the top of this video. And Justin and I got in a fight about that video because we spent like five grand to make this video happen. Shit. And he's like, <laughs> I'm sorry, man. <laughs> no, I, I'm like, no, this is great. This is a good use of money because, first of all, everyone had the best time in their lives. Um. Uh, who made you happy? Yeah, he fun. did. Yeah, um, and it's the kind of stuff like we want. We wanted to do more like quirky stuff because yeah. we didn't want to like. I mean, if you're some of the client work that you do to continue to sustain yourself as a company is not always the stuff that you love the most. <laughs> we want to do stuff just for us because that shows who we are as people. So this video goes out, and we're really showing kind of who we really are, like how we have fun and what's fun to us. Yeah, and I said to him, I don't know how this thing is going to convert it sure as, uh, in what kind of return on investment there's going to be but it's just the it's just right like sometimes you just got to do things for you and have fun so this guy who the founder of dbrand in his mom's basement sees it and he's like i gotta work with those guys so nice. he couldn't afford to really work with us because you know we're already working with large brands but we made an exception to help him and i became really really close with him in his early stages Watched him blow up, became a partner, got bought out of his company. There's definitely a very, very tangible ROI now. No, nice. On that 500th fan video. Yeah. Which is fun, was still, still fun to do. Um, and I made, like, one of my closest friends. And now I consider him a mentor. He's 
flown way past me. He is an, one of the most phenomenal, brilliant entrepreneurs I have ever met. Wow. He, I marvel. Here in Toronto? Yeah. He's actually not far from here. Okay. It's nuts. His new, the new space is just nuts. It's awesome. So one of the be- that video is one of the great things I've done in terms of outcome. Like, it just was. Well, I feel good now. Yeah, you should. <laughs> you should. Years after. Yeah. And sometimes I'll see it on, you know, Time Hop, the app. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you know. Oh, that'll show up. Yeah, just like stuff like that. I'll always, every once a year I'll see it and, you know. I'll, say, I'll, I'll, oh, I'll post that. it up on the yeah. on the show notes for sure. That was definitely okay. a highlight of the, of the year maybe for me. Yeah. Or for the week. Yeah, you're. So 500 bucks. I can afford rent. <laughs> yeah. It was uh, val- right before Valentine's. I remember you said, this is going to make Valentine's Day a lot better, you said. <laughs> I can't remember the year. It was probably like three, four years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it, was a, it was a little while ago. But but then you get into socks. And not just socks. These are sort of socks designed by, is it Toronto-based artists? So our or just f- artists in general? Uh, artists. Artists. So, so the series that we did that got us a bit of popularity and like exposure, across, at least across Canada, Okay. was the street art series, which was Toronto artists. Toronto street artists. Okay. So we have a couple new series in the works, but that's that's the angle. We are finding. I guess it's like that's the, you know, we want to make a, a brand that that it's a great store that does well. That we want to like market it well, but the thing that the way we can inject ourselves into it is, you know, the, find the artists we love that are, we think they're doing really cool stuff that are maybe a little bit well known or not well known at all that. We just came across and treat this sock like a canvas. Like, what can they do? They, they're a street artist can do a wall mural, and there's certain limitations in that. But there's a whole different set of limitations in doing a sock. And how can you interpret that art style into the sock? And we're really trying to make, while we still want to make it accessible, something that we think is really cool and different and unique. Kind of similar to like making that video. You know, that video, the 500 fan was. We want to do a video for just because it shows who we are. And it, if we're not doing the things that are us, then we're just working for other people and doing other people's stuff our whole life. And there's no fun to that, right? Um, so it's just the brand to us is something that it's like it's personal. It's like something that like we're, you know, as we're learning to figure out all the, the ins and outs of a very different industry and a very different way of doing business – we're trying to make something that we love and it's 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 going great like it's just it's a completely different world i'm learning like i'm back at square one i feel i'm not in my mom's basement anymore but no. i feel like i'm i'm in the mindset of that again you know figuring something out that i know nothing about and so how did, how did this start so is this you and justin again or there's somebody else isn't there um so it's justin okay and he's not really involved in it as much. So basically, he's 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 my business partner. He's he's been my partner in everything. I've been best friends with the guy since junior kindergarten. You know, he is a brother. He's your husband. No, he's my brother. <laughs> I have a wife. You have a wife, and he has a wife. Um, so how, if we how were, did this if start? We, if how did we this were, start? If we were gay, we yeah, would definitely you would definitely get married. Yeah, okay, because it would just work out. Actually, we'd probably be really we'd fight a lot. We would fight a lot. We probably wouldn't be great husbands. Um, anyway, so how so how did this start? I, I I when you spend so many years doing marketing because we're vi- we're videos, but it's marketing. We're marketing other companies, brands, uh, products. Um. At one point, you realize, like, man, the real businesses out there are not the guys that are promoting the products and the brands. It's the products and the brands. It's just in terms of – and this is not – I'm not a very money-motivated guy. I don't care about the money. But when you are a brand, be it uh, a brand that makes jars or T-shirts or Coca-Cola or whatever it is that you make, and you hire a, someone to make you a website or a video – the end of the day, they have to make it for you. Yeah. And a lot of times when we put our heart and soul in this stuff, it gets run over a few times and it's, it slips away from being what we wanted it to be creatively, which is totally fair. It's not our 
brand. We have to adhere to certain like brand guidelines, stuff like that. But a lot of times when you're involved with other agencies or, or marketing people who just want their own hands on stuff for no reason, like sometimes you get like, you know what? If only it was our own brand, no one can t- like we can do it however we want. Yeah. Uh, and I see people starting businesses online. Like it's so easy. Like so not easy to start a success and start and create a successful business, but just starting it is easy. And I've already come into my own skin in the in the video business, and I was able to step away a little bit and switch my focus and still have the company continue to run. So we set a goal that we wanted to have five product businesses in five years. Ah, okay. And that doesn't mean we're going to have these huge brands. They could be like little, just selling a little bit, but I got to figure out what they are. So I started this like thinking process of what well, maybe I can do art prints because we know all these cool artists, or maybe I can do this or that. And we would just keep thinking that we had these good ideas, but find out ah, it's not, it, this doesn't make sense. This isn't right. And socks happened when a guy who a good friend of ours who moved to BC came back and he wanted help starting a sock thing. And I said, I'll help you. Not it's his company. I'll help you just because. I, I, I want to help you, you're a friend, and I'm fascinated in learning about like how you start these online businesses. And just like I did with D brand, I started getting you know, I get more involved and more involved to the point where it was really, really started to be my vision. And ah. he's like, I don't want to do this anymore. Okay. And okay, so he's not in it anymore. And I'm just stuck with this I already spent so much time figuring out okay, I didn't socks wasn't my idea, but it turned it into my own like my soul was infused into socks. So all of a sudden I just went so far down that rabbit hole. I'm like, well, it's socks is it. Cause it doesn't matter. What matters at the core is like, what do you do to make it different? So we over time have made something that's more us. It's where the, it's the us sock company. Nice. And, that's and the name it. is Hitsu. Hitsu. It was, so what was it before? Hewley. And there was a reason yeah, some legal stuff, somebody yeah, else had a name? We got threatened to be sued. What was that? We got a cease and desist. Okay. Uh, there's a company called Hue, H-U-E. Yeah. They make, like, pantyhose and stuff for women. They're selling, sold in department stores. And they're, like... It's People will get confused. Yeah. She's and I was like, no, they wouldn't. We're Hewley. We sell funky, artist-designed men's socks online. You sell pantyhose and stuff, but... I talked to some lawyers, and they said, listen, there's a chance that you'll win this. It's a very, very small chance. And for you to find out, it's going to cost you a ton of money. If you want to go down that road, I mean, just be prepared for that. And I was just thinking, this is so early on. in it, it sucked, and it created all sorts of challenges. But I'm like, I'd just rather get this over with. And I sat there coming up with new names, and I just wanted to keep H so we can keep – we don't have to completely change our branding. And we have an H little – letter that we use yeah if i can keep find an h name and find some meaning in it i'm just changing so i just change it it's hitsu now and what does hitsu mean so there's a park it's uh, north of tokyo called hitsujiyama park and it's considered one of the more <coughs> most colorful places on earth ah and a lot of what inspired things about our brand are japanese so there's this unbelievably vibrant colorful place in japan which Japanese culture is infused in our brand in a big way. Uh, and I can just cut off the first part of it, Hitsu, which isn't a word that's used anywhere. So I'm like, it kind of could be our word. Nice. And I was like, that's it, man. Colorful, Japanese. Uh, when you see it written, H-I-T-S-U, it's very easy to remember. Hitsu, yeah. It's just like, yeah, that's it. So I, so then, I, and you, when you, I don't know if you're ever naming a company, you start thinking all these ideas are good but most of them aren't, and you don't really get a good feeling for if it's a good or bad name, so you start asking people. So I'd say, I have an idea for a name, and I go and I tell everyone, like, oh, terrible, terrible, and I'm like, oh. And I was spending all the night buying domain names and, like, making new email addresses so I can get Facebook pages and Twitter accounts yeah. with that, and, and then I don't need any of them. And Hitsu was the first one where all the people who I asked, who's, like, I really trust and, and, and appreciate their opinion, they're like, love it. Nice. So like, that's it. And how's that coming along now? It's great. I mean, it's a grind. We've had some awesome successes, especially in uh, 
through PR, well, people love the whole street art angle. So we got written up in National Post and, and Toronto Star, Globe and Mail. We were on radio shows. Uh, Jazz FM had us on. Uh, 640 AM 640, which yeah. is our competitor, had us on. The CFRB didn't, which yet. is our competitor. <laughs> yeah, my old competitor, they had me on, so I kind of liked them a little more than ever. Um, and people just started ordering all over the country, and they loved the product, so they rebuy, and it's just been it's been awesome. Uh, super excited for the holiday season because we have all sorts of new stuff coming out, and nice all these plans for what we're going to do. And it's also sock season. People love buying. Like, people are already emailing us about what's coming out for holidays because I think people like, you know, I'm Jewish. I didn't grow up with Christmas, but I guess socks are huge in the Christmas world. That's what you get your dad, right? Yeah, I guess. Socks and ties. Well, <laughs> there's a big sock that you hang over the fireplace and you put socks in them. There you go. It's a sock holiday. <laughs> a sock holiday. Yeah. So this is one product company. Are there four more in your brain or are you working on any of them? So I had D brands, so I was up to two. And now okay, so D brands counts as one. Okay. Well, I'm down. But that was just the goal. So kind of. It, it was the thing that got me thinking. And so now I actually have another one that I'm, try, I'm, I'm trying to do a little bit on the sideline, although I have to put so much of my energy into Hitsu yeah. that I question, I'm like, am I insane for wanting to do another one right now? Is it yeah. bad timing? But I think it's great. So I'm trying to figure out if I can do it all. Um, I don't know if five is something that really I care to do right now. I might change that goal, but by – Setting that goal, I'm going to do five products in five years. It got me starting to think, okay, well, I have to start thinking about product. I got to get something. Yeah. And it was just a mindset change. Because it keeps your creative juices flowing as well, right? To keep your eyes open for opportunities. If you have a, yeah, if I, my, my head was focused entirely on what's the first. I need to get one. So I had I started coming up with all these bad ideas and some good, some maybe good. And then if you're in that direction, it falls into place eventually. So I had that one, and then when D-Brand came around, that was like my second. And I'm okay, I don't need to think about the third now because I have a lot on my plate. Sure. But let's get this going. I could spend two years right now doing this and growing this, and I might be in a position where I can say, okay, let's start three. Maybe at that point the resources will be so plentiful that it will be a lot different for me how I'll approach my third. You know, maybe it won't be me being so hands-on. Like, Hitsu, I am as hands-on as I was with Biz Media when I started. It's like wow. the, I am doing everything. Like, I hired someone to do a new website, but I didn't like how it's going. So I'm now learning. Like, I, I didn't use Photoshop my whole life. I'm, like, designing my own website. Like, I am feel like I'm back in that basement. Like, I'm like, this is me. I'm, I'm all alone. I can get help maybe a bit, but I'm just, it's just me now. And nice. it's a cool feeling. But it's like that. Maybe in the future I'll, I'll, I'll have like less energy. And then you still have time to travel all over the world. Um, or, or half of the world at least. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> no, not at all. I went on my honeymoon recently. Which was for how? You seemed like you were away for like forever. I was. So, I, so this is what I did. And this is, I recommend anyone do this. Because I did two types of trips. So the first trip, what I did is I put my place up on Airbnb. Yeah. And someone wanted to rent it out for two weeks and then someone right after for two weeks. And I took them both and I found an Airbnb in Montreal, which was about half the price. It was amazing. It was about half the price of what I was renting my place out for. And it was like three times as big. So I had this like wicked house in Montreal and I was making money every day just being there. And I brought my stuff with me and I just lived a regular life there. I wasn't like vacationing. I was there for a (laughs) month and I worked. Nice. But... I can go for lunch in new places and yeah. I can see new sites. And Just for Laughs, we went to the Just for Laughs oh. Festival. And that is the best way to travel ever. If you can maintain, not travel around so much, not get a car and you know backpack around, <coughs> but experience a, a new culture yeah. and really, really get in. Because every time, and I've been to Montreal maybe two dozen times before. And I always go to some of the similar spots. But when you're there for a month, you start discovering new neighborhoods. That, like, Sure. You know, imagine if you came to Toronto for the first time and you were here for three days. You know, you think, oh, all the stuff is on Yonge Street. It's not. You know, it, there's yeah. all sorts of pockets. You have to be there long enough. So that was amazing. And I was away from a lot of distraction, too. So I was getting amazing work done. And then I, I, I got married kind of suddenly back in November. So I, we finally did our honeymoon. And that was amazing, but 
right now at this stage, I'm like, I was after the, you know, a little while, I'm like, okay, I really want to get back. Need to get back to work. I really, really, I need to. I need to. So it was an amazing experience. And I let go of it. Like, and I said, okay, I can't. I'm on my honeymoon and enjoy this. And I really, really had such an amazing time. Nice. But if I could, uh, I guess maybe there will never be a great time to do it. It was just at this stage. Maybe if I could have gotten met my wife a year earlier and did my honeymoon a year ago, it would have been a little better. You <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't be as busy. Yeah, but it's great to be back. Well, I appreciate you spending some extra time coming in and uh, chatting with me. No, it's my pleasure. All right, thanks, Dan. Appreciate awesome. this.